Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Okay, if you could just turn with me this morning to Galatians 1. I want to speak this morning about the title of my message is Twisted Truths. I don't know what you believe in this morning, what your own thoughts are and beliefs. Some of us, many, many people have come from different backgrounds, different cultures, different things that you've learned in different churches. And you come here today and we all meet together for some strange reason. We've all come from different places. I'm from up north. Someone's from Zimbabwe. It's, it's crazy, isn't it, that we're all here together. But we all bring our different cultural beliefs, different things. But we're all here to serve God. And we're all here to worship God under the Pentecostal banner, and to, you know, we claim as a church that we are born again. Maybe you're not born again this morning, maybe you're visiting, but we claim as a church that you must be born again, so that is our beliefs. And this message this morning is just about, just a question, simply, what you believe in today. Let's just read from Galatians 1, first of all. Galatians 1, verse 6 says this, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said, so now and I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than the one you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or God, Paul says, or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. If you just flick over the page to Galatians 3, verses 1 says this, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you have heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Have you suffered so much for nothing, if it really was for nothing? Does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you have heard? This, I don't know many of you who probably attended, some of you attended the Bible studies. We looked at some of these books and Galatians was one of them. And Galatians is basically a letter to the Galatian church from Paul who has already seen, he set up this church, um, maybe we could safely say a few years previous to this. He set up a church, we could say they were born again believers of the time, just like many of the other churches around that area. But Paul is writing a letter, and we've just pulled out a few scriptures here, but the whole letter is talking to the Galatian church 
and using very strong language because, believe you and me, if we had the head of AOG send us a letter and it said on it, who has bewitched you and who has led you into confusion, we would probably be a little bit shocked by that. And we would probably not expect it because we would think we're a church that's operating and we're doing all great things. But they received this letter that says these things, these really strong words. To say who has bewitched you, if we look that up in a dictionary, it says this, to place under one's power by or as if by magic, casting a spell over someone. Almost that they're spellbound into something different. They don't even realize that they're bewitched because if you're spellbound, you're just so concentrated on one thing. It says another thing it describes to be bewitched is to be captivated completely. To be so totally took over by your thoughts in this way. Now it might sound a bit scary, this and a bit spooky, but these terminology, these words that we use, were used because strong because Paul was concerned about the church. He was concerned that they were going down a route that he didn't start them off in. And every one of us in this room today have started our journey somewhere. Maybe you started in, in a church, in a different type of church, but somewhere along the line, you started your journey with Christ, born again. If you were born again today, you started your journey knowing a, a truth that was given to you, a gospel that was given to you. The question this morning is, what is your truth still? What are your beliefs still? In Galatians 5, a little bit later on, Paul says this, You were running so well. And it didn't take long, did it? These guys in Galatians, they were running so well at the start that Paul was glad of them, but then he has to write a letter. Because all of a sudden, things have changed. I want to say this morning, it's possible for you to be misled by your friends in church, misled by the people who you see as your friends around you. It's not just your friends at work. It can be your friends in church. The first point this morning is, don't be misled. Do not be misled. These people in Galatians were misled. They were misled by others. Because what it says is, if we read the whole of Galatians, without having to go through it now, but I encourage you to look at it. Galatians looks at the fact that some of the people were returning to Jewish law. They were returning to some of the things before the gospel of Jesus Christ, i.e. Uh, circumcision, things like this, traditions that required them to do certain things. So you can imagine in the church, it got to a point where somebody was saying, actually, we really need to be doing some of the old Jewish traditions we used to do. We're not sure about this gospel that Paul preached. So actually, if we do some of the things we know and we do some of the things that um, outwardly express things like circumcision, I'm sure there were many other Jewish traditions at that time. But they did these things and they started to creep in. They were attracted to legalism rather than faith. That's simply what it is. I don't know about you this morning, but you could be attracted to actually doing things that are good, things that look really good to you, you can be attracted to do these things more than you can for grace. And here is Paul is saying, don't be misled by this. Remember the truth. Remember that which you received. Grace is free. You know, I don't know about you, but when 
maybe about five, six years ago now, I remember when I was at work having a course, a training course, and this training course was on time management. And it was about, we had to go in and just to look at how we used our time in the day to get the best out of it. And each week, um, in, in where I work, we have a, a, a team meeting. I'm sure many of you do this. I dread them every week because the team meeting is sat around a big table. The boss is there and everyone is questioning what you've done. And everyone seems to always come with a list of things. And all the meeting I ever think is, is just going around and listening to what everyone's done. And it's almost like, let's give them a clap. And no one's really interested in what each other's doing half the time when they do these meetings. And everyone just wants to get out of them. But one of the things on this time management course when I went on it was they're saying that we need to make lists. How many of us like lists? How many of us like to think we achieve things? There's nothing better, is there, than when we do the to-do list. We write it all down. I've got my electronic one at work, a to-do list, and... We put these things on. And this time management course taught us, it said, make lists. They said many other things, but it said, make a list so that you know what to do each day, that you don't forget things. So I came out of this time management course and I was soon into it. I thought there was other things that say as well. They say, if a person rings up and says to you, um, for cold calling, do you want these things? Don't say, I used to do this all the time. Oh, call me back next Wednesday. I, I'll be free then. And then they forever ring you back. Cut them off straight away. Tell them you don't want it. So I started to do that. But one of these things was this. On the time management course, it said, make the lists. So I started to make my list. And then I went into these meetings to talk about what we'd done for that week. And I loved the fact that I was putting all these things and I've done this. Yeah, I've done that part of the website, done this. All these achievements I've done because I thought everyone around the table is going to, you know, think this is great. But do you know what I used to do, which is funny, we all do this. We love making lists that much that I started to write things on the list that I'd already done just so I could cross them out. So I'd, I'd sit there thinking, what have I done this week before I go into this meeting? So I'd write 10 things down, the first eight of them I crossed cross through them. So when I went into the meeting, I could show my, you know, these are done. These are finished. This is just what I've got to do. Because we love lists, we love to achieve things in life. It's, it's in our nature to want to impress. It's so easy in the church to do the same thing. Don't be misled into thinking that your works, things that we do, are the things, achievements that we do are the things that God is looking at today to forgive you, to save you. That is not the gospel. It is not the gospel message. It's very easy to become attracted to this, isn't it? I tell you, sometimes it's easier for us to do something good, see the result, cross the list out, than it is for us to believe. Let me say that again. It's easy for sometimes for us to do the things, cross them off the list, sometimes in our mind, prove that we've done something because we see something tangible. And we all like to see something tangible, don't we? You know, when Peter said the story this morning about the guy who gives and he receives back with the money, we think, oh, that's all good and well, but I've been putting in for months, years, and I've not seen a thing. We all want to see it tangible. When people talk about miracles, we want to be there to see it because we're not really sure if we believe. 
we are a people that like to see things. So when we do good deeds, when we do all these things, it's a way of us seeing the result. And the gospel message was never about that. It was never about us looking at our own achievements. But these people were beginning to look back. They thought, if I become, if I do circumcision, if we do all these things, the Jewish traditions, these are the things in the old law that were required. They were looking back to the old law. They thought, if we just do these things, sometimes in addition to Jesus, it wasn't that they were doing these things, right, we're going to change from this gospel and go back to some of the other things because it's not working. It was working, but what, what was happening was they were unsure, uncertain. So they began to mix these things. And the truth became twisted. The truth became twisted and they were bewitched, it says. Galatians 3 verse 10 said this, But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, Cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Let me say that. It is through faith, faith that a righteous person has life. We can't do it by doing things good, all the things we do good. All the things we try to attain in church. How many of you know there's, there is countless things that you could do. If you went down to, it's not called Wesley now, but I think it's called CLC Bookshop, the Christian Bookshop in town, there will be a book for every single thing to be a Christian. I remember when I first became a Christian and I went out to, I literally became a Christian not long after I went out to Greece and I was sat on a beach for two weeks and I read about 10 Christian books. I was listening to worship music. I was so hungry for God. I was reading books constantly. But I soon found out later on in my life that you can't do everything that these books tell you to do. You can't fulfill everything. The most important book that I ever found that you should read is the Bible. Not the books. The books are great. But I found myself that I'd read another one then someone would say, have you read this one? This one's good. This one really helps. And you're thinking, what am I supposed to be doing? And you're trying to achieve all these things. I remember years ago when we were just, just after me and Emma had given our hearts to God, we went to a big conference not far from here. And at this conference, we were so, you know, on, on the side of this, we were hungry for God, so we wanted to do things, and there's nothing wrong with that. But every day in this conference, there were seminars on, there was a prayer tent, there was everything. This place, you didn't leave it for four days. And when you did leave it, you felt like you'd come out of heaven. When you walked back into a garage and you just met someone, you heard someone sweat, well, like you've been in a place that is a safe haven. Everyone's worshipping. You've got a prayer tent. It's just a beautiful place to be at this conference. And we used to be running around every single day trying to attend every single seminar. And we were amongst people who loved God, were passionate about God, and it, it, it kind of got to a sense that we were trying to run around doing things because everyone else is. We were going down to the bookshop buying books. Everyone's saying, you've got to get this book. And I remember coming away and it's just, 
feeling overwhelmed by the amount of things that the Christian life was presenting, but yet it was such a simple message that I'd received. And I remember being at this conference and all these things, and I thought, do you know, I, I actually used to think to myself, I used to think, I'm quite a good person, I'm doing all these things, God must be loving this, I'm attending this seminar, I am learning lots of things here, quite quickly, doing all these things, down at the prayer tent, people used to be knocking on the tents in the morning at 6 o'clock saying, come down to the prayer tent, we're going to pray for revival, and I used to think, if I don't go, then, you know, God's not going to be happy with me, so I used to go down, and we'd be praying early hours of the morning, I'd be thinking, wow, this is what the Christian life's about, I'm shattered. These things were good, but we were running around like flies trying to do everything. And then, one night, we came out of a meeting, came back to our tent, and lo and behold, on a Christian campsite, we went into our tent, and we had been burgled in our tent, me and Emma. We looked inside and saw things had been stolen. And one of the things that had been stolen, unfortunately for me, was my quite expensive aftershave, which I like my mobile phone and things went this is on a christian site let me tell you never never just think that you're in a safe haven just because you're on christians it's not about that and i realized all of a sudden wait a minute what's happening here we are doing all these things running around aren't we the the righteous ones aren't we the ones who god if we're attending this seminar we're reading these books we're with these kind of people we're in a safe place why would god allow for us why would he do this, allow for us to be robbed like this? And I was shocked. It really shocked me because I thought, I, I'm good. And I was looking at myself because I was good of all the things. Why on this site, in this time, when we're doing all these things? And, you know, aren't we the bee's knees right now? We're doing everything. We're not at work. We're just praying, doing all these things. But these things happen. And it shocked me. It made me realize that actually it's nothing to do with what we do. Nothing to do with what we say. But Jesus said by his grace, he'll set us free. Amen. Although righteousness and deeds are required, they're not what our faith relies upon. Paul said this, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. And a turn into a different gospel, which is no no gospel at all. Paul says, you've turned from grace. In other words, you've turned from grace to a, a gospel that's nothing at all. You've turned to a, a useless gospel. It's nothing. It has no foundation. It has no substance. Because all you're doing is striving to do the things. To try and achieve them in front of people. And we need to reassess our beliefs. Just because this morning you attend this church or any church in Cambridge and you're associated with this church, with its mission statement and everything about it, just because you're affiliated with that doesn't mean that you stand right before God, that everything is right before God. It's about you, your personal belief with God. We need to be careful, don't we, of the to-dos, the things that we get involved in. When you first become a Christian, I remember I started at this church, actually in a prayer meeting. But I came to the prayer meeting, and it's not long as you get into the flow of things, and you realize that there's prayer meeting to attend. I'm going to go to the prayer meeting tonight. Then there's the Bible study to attend. 
So you think, right, on that night I'm going to go out and do the Bible study. And then, it's not long after that you get saved, you hear someone talk to you about tithing. They say, you know, you need to give. Not only do you need to give above and beyond, but you need to actually just give anyway your 10%. And you start to feel when you see these things, halfway through all these things that you're doing, you start to think, wait a minute, all these things are good. But where is the simple message behind all this? The truth is behind everything, it's the motivation. What is it that motivates us? You know, we want people to give. We want people to tithe. We want people to come to Bible studies. We want people to come to prayer meetings, supporting evangelistic things that we do in the church. All these things we want, but what we want most of all is the heart that is wanting to do it because of Jesus. Not because we want to fill the numbers. The key is this, that in any relationship that you're in, out of love these things come. You want to do them out of love. So all these things, you come along and you've got the prayer meeting and and you then go to conferences and you believe that God's got to speak to you prophetically. So you start to think, well, they're telling me I need to start listening to God. And you're spending all these t- this time doing these things. And you start to get into this flow of thinking, if I drop one of these balls, if I drop anything, as I'm trying to run with all these things, people are going to look at me and they now judge me as these are the things that I need to achieve to be a Christian. And you start to try and do all these things and you think, if I juggle all these balls, if I, only, if I drop one, everyone's going to look at me. The truth is this, that the gospel of Jesus Christ does not rest upon what you're doing in this church. Every one of these things are good. I could say to you now, well, don't bother doing these things. Just sit back and relax. The truth is this, that every one of us have got something good to give. Every one of us have got something that we should be giving. But we should be giving it because in our hearts we desire to for God. So when someone asks us to do something, when someone asks us in church to, to be involved or do anything like that, we don't think... He's asking me again, I don't want to do this. We think, I want to do it because I'm serving Jesus. Jesus said this, didn't he? He said, those who, do the, uh, who feed the poor, they're doing it for, that, uh, for me, not them, for me. There's a difference there. There is a difference there. There's many people who go out on missions and do lots of things who probably, it's never been in their desire to do missions work, to go and be in the field and do hard things in other countries, but they do it because of Jesus. Then on the other side, you've got people who don't know Jesus who do it because they just love to do things like that. There's a difference. If you're doing it for Jesus, he's always on your mind. It's always him that you're doing it for. Not to achieve anything, but because you love him. My next point this morning is to go back to the start. Paul said this, we read it earlier, he said, Are you so foolish after beginning by the means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by the means of the flesh? After beginning by the means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by the means of the flesh? 
We started, didn't we, with a relationship. How many of you, you could all remember that first time when you respond to the gospel. You remember that day when you respond to the gospel and you know that feeling inside of that divine exchange, handing over the mess, realizing that you couldn't do it on your own. So you said to God, I'm going to give you everything because I know that I can't do this without you. I remember my day very clearly. And I handed it over. I was broken inside because I'd given everything to God. And all I relied upon was him. Paul says this. After beginning by the spirit. Why are you trying to do things by your own method? Go back to the start, he said. Go back to the start. Revelation 2 says this to the church. It says, you've forgotten your first love. Some of us this morning need to remember our first love. Remember where it started. You know that if you got your photo albums out now and you looked at relationships where you've been with someone and you said, that's where it all started. You remember the photograph? We need to do that. We need to pick up the album of our hearts, flick back, and look back to them first photographs that remind us of why we're here. Do you know the... That today, not only the people in the church, friends who can just say, you know, you need to be doing this to achieve in front of God. The enemy comes in because all he ever wants us to do is look at ourselves. It's right from the very beginning is to look at ourselves. When you fail, he knows that you can never fulfill the law. The word of God tells us that. The whole point of the law, the whole point of the law was put there to show us that we can't do it. The whole point of the law is not to say, these are the Ten Commandments, you shall fulfill them all. The whole point that Jesus came, remember this, is because he provided a guide for us that he knew we would fail. So that when he comes, we would see him more attractively. We would look at him and think, this is the answer to fill in this gap. We need to go back to the start Paul said, you are now trying to finish in your own efforts. But didn't he say this? He said, it's for freedom comes. It's him who set us free. It was for for freedom that Christ has set us free, he said. Freedom. Freedom. Who feels free sometimes? You might be tied up this morning by thinking of all the things that you need to to do to, to to look like a proper Christian to someone. I need to evangelize to so many people a day, otherwise it's not going to look good. Even your friends at work can start to say, when they said the things like, you're not a very good Christian if you do things like that. And you start to think, I've got to look so perfect in front of them. Because the title of most of us are in people, in our work friends are that we walk around with halos on, that we think we're great. The truth is this, that we're an absolute mess, saved by grace. Our righteousness are like filthy rags, it says. Filthy rags. Therefore, we need his righteousness. It can't be achieved by our own efforts. Paul says to the church in Philippi, in Philippians 1, In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he, God, who began a good work in you, 
will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He will do it. He will do it. He started the work in you. He chose you and he started the work in you. Therefore, by his spirit, he will bring it to completion. Work out, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, it says. He will do it. It's not your efforts. You know, a few years ago, I don't know if many of you do this, but we sometimes have a trip to Ikea. Who goes to Ikea sometimes? And we go down to, <laughs> we go down to Ikea down in London, and we, we, we used to go down. It was so funny. We used to take our little Peugeot 106, and we wander around the showroom and look at all these great things. You know, you've got fantastic beds and furniture. You're looking at all these things thinking, oh, I want to get everything. I want to just tick it on the list, and then I've got to look in the storeroom at the end. And it's so much fun when you, when you stand at the end and you're trying to see people cramming things into their cars. We have drove with futons in the back of a Peugeot 106. I've got no idea how we did it from Leeds once. The chairs in the front were this far forward that me and Emma were nearly touching the dashboard with a futon in the back just because we wanted to get it home. And when you go to these places, you see all these great things, don't you, in the showroom? And it's exciting, isn't it? You wander around and you see the bed. You think, oh, I'll have one of them. Just put the number on. Yep, it's in stock. And then you get to the storeroom at the end. It's a massive big warehouse, and then it all just goes a bit downhill because you just start looking at cardboard boxes. You're thinking, it's, all, it's not all that good now. Where's my bed? Ah, there it is in a packed cardboard box. It didn't look like what you saw in the showroom. And you get these things home, and the tendency is always this, and I'll remember this, because on the millennium, everyone always asks, don't they, what did you do on the millennium? What did you do on that, on that New Year's Eve? And I can tell you what I did. I set up a futon from Ikea. I remember it well. It was brilliant. Everyone says, oh, I went to this party, I did this. And they're telling you about all these amazing things they did. And I'll never forget, me and Emma were driving down in a blizzard from up north with an Ikea futon in the back of a Peugeot 106, setting it up, watching TV. What a fantastic night we had. But when we brought these things back, and when you bring these things back from Ikea, you, you, you realize that they're going to take some time, and there's instructions for them. Put these things together. I made a couple of mistakes, actually, because I've let Emma do this on her own. One time she put a set of these drawers together and I came home and the whole thing was back to front. I mean, it looked a complete mess to the point where the pegs and everything that you put in to connect these things together, she started getting glue out to glue it together to hide the fact that she'd messed it up. And I just opened it and it was just, it felt like it was going to fall apart. And then recently, she, we, we bought something similar to Ikea. We got this little unit, and I come home, and it was to hold all the toys on it. And I just went up to it and touched it, and the whole thing just swayed with all these toys in. I said, what on earth have you done? And the truth is this, because she never reads the instructions. She sees what she sees in the shop, and then she thinks, all I've got to do is picture memory. How does this thing come together? Put it in, and then you realize half of the stuff that's supposed to be in it is still in the box. It's the same with us. Some of us, we, don't, we need to go back to the start of the instructions. We get halfway through. We get confused. We're doing things the wrong way. Because we're not following the simple instruction that was ever first given to us. It's to trust him. Believe him. That his grace, his blood will set us free. His righteousness is ours. 
And we start to add all these things in because we're never looking back to that simple little instruction right at the very beginning. And we confuse the issue. Some of us need to go back to that little instruction manual. Some of us need to dig, go back and wonder why that there's parts still in the box. Extra little bits because we've not put it all together right. Some of us need to go back in our lives to pick up that first instruction. Go back to the start, Paul said. Go back to the start. Paul said to the Galatians, before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. They saw, they heard through, he says it was portrayed to them. They heard firsthand from these guys that he was crucified. They heard the gospel in all its fullness. How many of you want, would want to hear the gospel from Paul? I know I would. I'd love to sit and listen to him preach the gospel at this time. But yet if, if they can sway off, if they can go off in another direction, how much more can we? Our faith needs to hinge on Calvary. At Calvary, it was a key turning point to the whole of the future. People see these pictures, they see the cross everywhere, and today it's just seen as another image. Let me tell you, that is so iconic. It will be as iconic as it is now to the time when he returns again. It will never, ever change. Calvary changed everything. Ephesians 2 says this, that behind me, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he's planned for us to do. You didn't save yourself. He saved you. He says that when he, d he gave us this grace so that he, we can do the good things that he planned for us to do. Not all the things that we want to do to achieve it. Jesus said in the parable of the sower, those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it. But they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. I want to ask you today, what is your ground like that the seed's falling on? What's your ground like? Is it a ground that is going to produce good crop? Is it a ground that is receiving that original word, that first word, well? Or is it becoming choked? Because you don't know anymore really what the true gospel is. You've made up your own gospel. How many of us can do that? We make up our own gospel. We pull all the bits that we want. We put Jesus in it. The cross. We put all these things in. And we create our own gospel. The image of the God we want. Isn't that one of the Ten Commandments that we shouldn't do that? To make a God that we want. 
And we do that. We make our own thing. And every one of us, if we're not careful, can be all running down our own little route. Thinking if we just keep impressing ourselves, we're going to be fine. God is going to love us for all these things we're doing. So what is the answer? God is calling us back to a future of faith. What we're going to do from today, if we think these things, if we're in this position right now, He's calling us back to a spirit-filled life. What did he say at the beginning? We said, how if you started at the beginning with the spirit, are you doing things in your own flesh? Therefore, we need to start with the spirit. He's calling us back to a future of faith. Paul said this to the Galatians, so again I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law? Or by believing what you heard. Just let's say that again. So again I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law? Or by believing what you've heard? Faith is a gift that comes from God. It's very difficult sometimes for us to believe in it. It's very difficult for us to believe and put our trust because that is what he's asking us to do. He's saying that grace gives you the ability to say, I'm going to put all my trust in Jesus. That when God looks at me, at my sin, at all these things that I do wrong, that he actually doesn't look at my righteousness. He looks to Jesus and Jesus says, I've forgiven him. Everything is dealt with because of me, because he believes in me. How hard it is sometimes to believe. We said earlier that we want the results next to us. We want the tangible things. But faith is a gift from God. He helps us to believe. It doesn't just come that you have to do it all on your own. He helps us. It's a gift. Romans 1 says this. The gospel is power. It's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Everyone who believes will receive this power. In Mark 5, Jesus instructs us, just believe, he says. And the story is talking to the people, he says this, just believe. Just believe. It's hard to do, isn't it? Such simple words. But actually, the simplicity of it is this, that if you just believe that he forgives you of your sin, That he died on the cross for you. If that's all we put our trust in. It doesn't matter what we've done wrong. We're washed clean. There's no better deal than that. That you'll ever find in this world. Grace is a gift from God to us. Speaking of faith. Romans 4 says this. When people work. Their wages are not a gift but something they've earned. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. When people work, their wages are not a gift. How many of you know, put your hand up if you know that day when you all know it, when it's coming, the pay slips on its way in, you've got it marked on your diary, and everyone's there in the office discreetly opening it, having a little peer in just to check it's all there. 
and everyone's got their head down hiding and as soon as you hear a noise and someone's coming up to you, you hide it quickly and I do it anyway. I don't want anyone to know. But people do this because we all know that for our lives that we all live, everything that we get from our salaries is the thing that supports everything we do. Isn't it? Peter said earlier that when we God gives us things to to bless us, God gives us these things so that we can live. But everything hinges on this income coming in. If we didn't have that, we wouldn't be able to do anything. We need the money to come in to pay the bills. And we all know, don't we, what's on that wage slip. And everyone, I'll tell you, guaranteed, I know I do anyway, I know to the penny what I should be getting. I'm, I'm checking them figures. Have they got it wrong? And I remember once when I looked at it, I thought, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, something's wrong here. Straight down to accounts. Hello? <laughs> uh, something seems a little bit wrong with this because I should be getting more than this because I think that you've took a day off me. And we see it straight away because we know what we're supposed to get because we know we've worked hard for it. But it says this, that, the gos- that, that, we, that when we get wages, they're not a gift. The only reason why we want to get that money is because we know we have done something. We've got up at 6 o'clock in the morning. We've gone out all day, not been with our families, tired. The only reason why we question all these things is because we know that it's not a gift. It's obligation. They should give it to us. They owe it to us. I've done my bit, now give me mine. But the gospel's different to that. It says it's not like that. You haven't done anything so that you should wait for the gift to come in. He says that it's free, isn't it? Grace is free. Let me tell you this. That there's going to become a day in the future on Judgment Day when God comes and he will give you your pay slip. He will give you your pay slip. And you will open it up. And in the columns inside, it will say, Hours, zero. Deductions, loss in your family, sickness, pain, all the things that you've had to go through. But then in the very column for balance, it will say saved and forgiven. And the full total that you get is eternal life with him. Every one of us are going to get that on one day. In a metaphorical sense, we're going to get that pay slip that tells us these things. And none of it is going to be related to what we did in the hourly column. Because it means nothing. Nothing at all. If anything, where it says hours, it would say Jesus. Jesus. It's him. Not us. Book of James says this, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea. Blown and tossed by the wind. James says to believe will bring you strength. Later in Galatians 5, Paul tells us what we'll see. He says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. If we live by the Spirit... It will bring love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, and most importantly, self-control. And there is no law against these things. The amazing thing is, it says here in Galatians 5, Paul goes on to say that if you don't trust in your own ability, you trust in the Spirit, you live by the Spirit, a life by the Spirit of God, all the things that will come out of that are all the things I've just said. How amazing is that? So you won't be going to prayer meeting because someone told you you need to attend. You'll be going because you love God. You'll be going because you want to get there to pray to God because you want to pray with all your heart. Because you know how important it is to pray. You want to get to Bible study not because someone tells you to learn for the next exam that's coming up. But because you want to go because you want to learn so much that you can tell everyone about Jesus because it's that good. You want to hear from God in the prophetic because you're so hungry to hear him in your life that nothing else matters. Not because someone told you you should be hearing from God. All these things would come out of love. All these things would come out of true relationship with Jesus Christ. If you, if you live by the Spirit, you'll see these things naturally. They'll just come. You'll just want to do these things. You won't rely on yourself. I love this psalm. Psalm 103 says this. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all of your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. And who satisfies your desires with good things so that your, re- your youth is renewed like eagles. In other words, this psalm is saying that everything Jesus done when he's forgiven all our sins. Everything that he's done. He crowns you with love. He gives you love by his spirit. The ability to love. The ability to be compassionate. The ability to want to serve and do all these things out of love and compassion. But he says this, he'll satisfy your desires with good things. Basically, you'll want to do all the things for God. You'll satisfy your desires for the things of God and renew your strength. Those who are weary and heavy laden, come to him, it says. Come to him. Don't forget these benefits. He is the one who will give you a loving and compassionate heart. The one who will give you all these things we've said. When we live a life by the Spirit, we want to desire to please God. But without this, we'd have nothing, would we? Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.